Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, on the wonderful UK Health Radio. Each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, clinicians, CEOs and founders that are changing the face of the healthcare industry in the UK and beyond. As regular listeners know, I'm a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself called PopDoc. We allow anybody or we are delivering uh, digital pathways via the mobile phone for the first time. So including cardiovascular testing, uh, including our PopDoc lipid test. PopDoc also support the show. So thank you very much to them for all of the support. Also, as ever, thank you very much if you're listening live on UK Health Radio. Um, we're up at like 60,000 people a show now, which is which is fantastic. Um, thanks for tuning in. Also, thank you if you are listening on podcast platforms. So Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, we're up on all of them. Also, um, all UK Health Radio shows are now up on the UK Health Radio channel on all of those. Or you can just come direct to the Health Tech Hour show. And finally, if you're watching us on YouTube or watching one of the clips that we put out, then then brilliant. So um, last week we had a great show. I'd recommend you check it out. Life Arc, Melanie Lee came on, CEO of Life Arc. They're giving away £1.3 billion in funding for motor neurone disease and other preventative or preventable uh, diseases. Um, and that's m- myself and, and, and Melanie had a great conversation about diagnostics and the value of diagnostics in or diagnosis and making early diagnostics um, in certain disease areas. So one of the things that's held MND, motor neurone disease back, is the lack of a very early diagnostic test. Which brings us very nicely onto today's guest, or this week's guest, is Hamish Grierson, who's the CEO and founder of Thriver. So Thriver have been one of the leading uh, innovators in the home testing space, uh, or decentralized testing space in the UK. Um, One of the leading companies to roll out COVID testing at home during the pandemic and step up to the plate and help the government deliver that program. Um, and Hamish is widely renowned as one of the nicest men in the industry. So Hamish, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Steve. Very hard to live up to that um, uh, intro, but uh, yeah, they're great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Good. Um, yeah, I do a good intro. So um, where where should we start? So I think obviously you and I have known each other for, for, for a little bit and, and have had a lot of, there's a lot of kind of similarities in how we think about the world which is great i think what would be helpful just to kick off so we're kind of all on the same page because there's a broad church of people that listen to the show so how would you because i know that thriver has evolved and changed and grown and things like that how different is thriver now to what you thought it was when you started the company uh yeah probably the right place to start um, it's also the perfect segue to clarify something. I'm a co-founder and not the sole founder. Uh, and I'm very lucky that I started the business with uh, with Tom and Elliot um, uh, rather than trying to do this on my own. Otherwise, I think I would be totally grey and probably dead. Um, so how does the business deviate from you know what we thought it would be in the in the original days? I think actually in uh, foundational purpose it remains very similar to the original mission uh, and the thing that we observed back in 2015 is that actually most people do not understand what's really happening inside their bodies full stop and that causes uh, a panoply of problems right across the continuum of people who are well until they are not and people who are trying to get well who are currently sick and um, so we started off um, observing that that was a problem I'm sure we have lots of commonality in that in that view uh, given what we both do and to this day I still think that that is a foundational problem and making bio data a powerful part of everyday life I think is a mission that um, will stay true for us um, for time immemorial I think practically the way that it differs in execution is that we started in um, 2016 as a direct-to-consumer brand and uh, we have evolved to, uh, whilst we're continuing as a direct consumer brand, to have what we call a B2B uh, channel, which effectively is us making what we've created as a, um, a decentralized or at-home diagnostics platform available to third-party partners. And that ranges from, as you said, everyone uh, from uh, the Department of Health all the way to 
decentralized clinical trials, um, insurance, pharmacy, um, and on down. Yeah. Wow. Okay, good. So there's a fair amount to unpick there. So like when you kind of were first thinking about the company back in 2015, um, I guess you started thinking about it in 2015, if you launched in 2016, give or take, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somewhere in that kind of time frame. What was the next best available way that people were having blood tests done? What, 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 like, what were you looking yeah, at it, thinking, Christ, that doesn't work? Well, I mean, the um, folks who've heard me uh, talk about the genesis of the business will be bored of me telling this story. But the the analog was the reason that ultimately we started the business. And it was Elliot um, who had been getting fairly regular blood tests for uh, five, six years already, maybe seven years. Uh, and he'd been going to the GP and this was someone who was monitoring a uh, an inherited condition so he had a reason to go and he would uh, every three or four months go somewhere to a physical location nowhere near the office uh, required time off work to go and do it and he would get a, uh, a blood draw done and the response would be we'll contact you if there is a problem yeah and that was just the the the, the way it was done um, and entirely kind of good logic behind those principles and protocols, I'm sure, when they were created. But I'm not um, medical, as you know, I'm not, I wasn't trained as a doctor. And so when I sat down as Elliot's manager originally, then friend, and I had myself become completely um, fascinated and fixated on all things health as a non-clinician, I just couldn't get my head around that. And it's worth remembering that sort of 2014 15 time there were a number of pioneers in the fintech world who were building really consumer centric products you know the monzos the transfer wises of this world revolutes etc um and they were having adult to adult conversations with their customers right they were having um uh, a, a totally different um assumed uh understanding or ability to understand baked into the product experience and i thought that was fascinating and totally absent from what i was seeing in sort of traditional healthcare right um and i feel like pretty paternalistic and like don't worry we know you're good you you know don't ask that many questions just we'll call you 100 percent. yeah that's right and elliot's example obviously is um uh, idiosyncratic to a known condition sure. the other side of the coin that um i've i suppose always had looming large uh, i don't talk about it quite so much um but my mother passed away of a cancer diagnosis that was caught at stage four um. and consequently it was um uh, irreversible and the idea that you would simply arrive at that place struck me then as a 19 year old is, you know, there was no reason that I would ever challenge that because I'd never thought about the healthcare system askance. But the longer I thought about it and the more interested in health I became, the more back to front that appeared to be. And you took a little glance at some of the statistics around um, adoption of the health check, let's say. Yeah. And they are somewhere between 15 and 25 percent depending on the region and in some in some areas they're even lower like in some some of the really kind of underserved areas it's very very it's it's low yeah and look I think it was a well-meaning program clearly like it makes sense but the delivery of it just wasn't isn't necessarily as good or efficient or successful as it could be I, I guess I think no I think that's exactly right and I want to take um a beat just to recognize this sounds like I'm just dunking on the NHS which is you know, absolutely not the case. If you look at what the NHS was designed to do and the population dynamics at the time um, that it was trying to do the thing that it was set up to do, we are in a completely different technical, social, economic, environmental reality. And to assume that it can deliver the the, um, the mandate that it was uh, setting out to deliver, despite everything else changing, I think it's just unfair. Yeah. Um, and I think as a consequence, you know, doctors are finding it very difficult um, within the system. And I think things have therefore got to change. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would agree with that. And I think that stuff like the NHS health check makes so much sense 
conceptually but it that's for me is one of those ones where the magic or, or really the kind of deciding factor is in the delivery of it you know the, the content of the health check itself is not um, mind-blowingly innovative unless you would disagree i mean it's it's a cardiovascular health screening right like it's you know height weight yeah. smoking status previous health conditions you know blood pressure cholesterol testing that stuff's been around for a while but how do you get more than 15 percent of a population eligible population to do it is it w- w- when it's very hard to get an appointment at a gp's or very hard to go it's inconvenient for people or however it ultimately is done is is quite hard right yeah and i think you know if we were 25 years um behind where we are asking this question we would be wondering whether uh you know good ui good ux and um, consumer centricity it, maybe they are things that will turn out to be important in 2023 those are questions we now know the answers to right yeah. they are a given and we've demonstrated in almost every corner of um innovation i think other than healthcare from mapping to financial services to uh, transportation more broadly. I mean, you know, we just know that you can get to more people and get them to engage more meaningfully if you acknowledge what's going on inside their heads, basically. Mm. And that is a uh, an art and a science, but it's a really well-trodden path. Um, and I think we're all basically just sitting there wondering what we can do to help advance the NHS towards a place where it's benefiting from some of those uh, those innovations. So I had a phone, I had a call literally just before this actually with 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 someone on, in, in, the, in our management group, and we were kind of kicking around the idea around. I don't know what you think about this, but 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 discussions in the UK when you work in the healthcare industry or health technology industry or medical technology, however you would define the industry that we're in, and kind of depends on what the kind of jargon of the day is, I guess. Um, with um, is is it's very hard to avoid the kind of gravity of the NHS in 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 how you talk about yourself and how you define yourself and what you think about and like actually there's just this wide world out there right so like the of all kinds of different people the the, the NHS is such a uniquely um, uh, a uniquely strong force in our country and in how we deliver health. I don't necessarily know if in any other country there's such an overwhelming sort of situation like that where everything health related in effect broadly ends up getting passed somewhat through what do the NHS think or what's the NHS doing or how is this different or how does this impact the NHS? You know, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, I think gravity is the right way to frame it. Um, You know, gravity in the sense that they are the biggest uh the biggest buyer and the biggest payer um it's uh, as i see it a massive double-edged sword because at the other extremity where you may argue the um you know the folks in north america are playing there's probably a substantive commercial element that doesn't exist within the nhs that has a very different set of problems and actually if you look at the efficiency yeah. models the nhs seems to be doing a better job overall yeah um but and it's a again it's a a reality um businesses like ours face into all the time it is incredibly difficult to grapple with it and i say it's in inverted commas because anyone who's ever tried to get going with quote unquote the nhs realizes really quickly that yeah there's no such thing no. um and it, it and it needs to be the way that it is for it to operate in any way, shape, or form. But it does make it a a real challenge to, to 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 grapple with. And that's notwithstanding, there are phenomenal people right throughout that organisation who are, you know, hell bent on driving innovation and change. And they yeah. find it difficult um, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, so yeah, I think the the, the idea of um, us thinking outside of the UK and having to uh, accept that it may be a a pretty unique situation here um, is right. And when when you were like, um, just to jump back a bit, when you started the company, were you more geared around specific 
pathways or disease pathways or were you more interested in breadth as in through the way that we do this anyone can test themselves for any single thing or were you set up and more interested in like well hold up a second this is just well like i give you an example PopDoc obviously we're very geared around cardiovascular disease right now partly because of our technology lends itself that way partly for other reasons it's a great it's a really you know vibrant exciting promising space to be working in and that pathway lends itself to what we're doing really well so was there something like that for you when you started Thriver or was it more around like you said before about the breadth of biodata suddenly being available to everybody it's at our fingertips now and we can actually provide that access it was definitely um, more the latter than it being particularly orientated around a specific condition area like PocDoc has been um, and I say that because uh, when we thought about where within, um, I suppose, healthcare and well-being, we wanted to play to begin with. Um, our early view was, if you're going to change the tide, you have to swim upstream. And swimming upstream ultimately looks like preventative, participative, yeah. you know, doing more at the um, at the currently untested level or stage. Yeah, and the reality for us when we thought about um, how to add value in um, at that end of the spectrum was actually there isn't one particular area that is better or worse than the others that we wanted to get involved with. So um, we ended up going more broad than picking a singular condition area. The one big caveat, though, is we uh, from day one were quite careful to think about um, what a good, quote unquote, test would look like right. and if there was you know sensitivity or specificity concerns if there were downstream diagnostic concerns if we felt like we couldn't do a good job of an end-to-end -end pathway that really needed an end-to-end -end pathway um then we wouldn't do it yeah because we simply felt like if we you know if nothing exists then nothing is the current status quo whether that's good or bad if yeah. we're going to come in and be new to something we need to be able to do it really well yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah. interestingly, we're about to get into deepening some of the pathway um, access uh, with things like access to doctors um, through our platform. Um, okay. So we're sort of we're treading in that direction. It's obviously taking right. a long time. But um, yeah, we are. We're heading in that um, in that in that way. You're picking up some of the doctors that may or may not be leaving companies that may or may not run with Schmabalon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can't comment. Can't comment. Can't comment. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Only I knew you were talking about. Um, well, look, I think that's 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 really interesting. So let's just kind of like so when I know that from from some of my conversations with with people in government, they speak really highly of how Thriver performed during the pandemic, um, and one of the areas that they highlight was your ability to. And, when, and, and I guess it's it's sort of like something that from the outside looking in, maybe people don't really realise about the complex logistics around the type of business that you have and how that's a massive value add in effect. Right. The ability to just manage yeah. the logistics around the entire process. Right. Yeah, I, I think you've, you've you've hit the nail on the head. And, you know, the reason that we created um, Thriver Solutions, which has its own um, its own face, its own brand, its own presence online. Um, ThriverSolutions.com. Um, if you want to have a look on uh, online, as uh, if you're looking for it as the audience, <clears throat> was for that very reason. And you know, we ultimately, because we'd started in the direct to consumer space, and had had to build for our own benefit a huge amount of technology solutions to all of the problems that we encountered candidly we didn't know we were going to encounter any of them when we set the business up <laughs> and if you I told me what to we that. were going to encounter I believe you me if, if, if someone had told me some of the problems that we've encountered I would have thought twice about what I was doing put it that way yeah exactly well, yeah you know it better than anyone right um and so we we sort of stumbled into these problems and because we were a technology business, we had to build solutions for them so that we had the solutions so that we could continue to deliver a, a great service for our customers. And so in a sense, we'd sort of um, 
we'd had to eat our own dog food to use the uh, the, the sort of engineering um, uh, heuristic from day one. And what we built was this platform that had integrated the elements of the diagnostics ecosystem from a federated network of UCAS accredited labs to the fulfillment partners to the end-to-end tracking across the uh, the postage network to customer support to the admin portal that doctors could log in to provide uh, the commentary, uh, the C marking and regulatory oversight, um, the f- understanding of how to uh, optimize for failure rates. The um, uh, we ultimately ended up building. Uh, kit linking software that would run with our fulfillment partners who we now work with really really closely so we we've created this um this really ip rich platform and as i say to begin with we were consuming that to serve uh, customers directly and what became clear is that if you're a partner and actually we got into what we call b2b probably in 2018 so it was you know pretty early on mm-hmm. um and there was a, an amazing set of pioneers at the uh, Royal Brompton Hospital. Um, okay. some, some brilliant people, Dr. Anand Shah and, um, and a handful of others. And they approached us to say, hey, look, we've got this immunocompromised patient group with cystic fibrosis. Um, we'd like to stop them from coming in to get the testing if possible. We are uh, putting together some other elements of an at-home solution, including uh, uh, um, so telemedicine and um uh, online consults again this is whatever two three years pre-pandemic and we'd like to use oh, the testing <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> doesn't that seem like a thousand years ago do you know what i mean like like doesn't even i can't even i i can barely remember a time when i hadn't thought about what a pandemic was this is yeah this is the uh the, the sort of black mirror reality of our time <laughs> yeah. is um i had this conversation with someone the other day and it yeah it's it's it feels most bizarre that it feels as bizarre as it does, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, we sort of started this journey into powering partners who wanted to benefit from what we built. So we started working with the Royal Brompton. We got that turned on really quickly and because we had what they needed um, kind of you know, on the shelf. And that market was pretty slow because... Right. There were some private clinics, um, there were some other hospitals, similar sort of use cases, and we sort of fairly slowly marched through with those partners um, up until uh, the pandemic landed. And when we got into discussions um, with the Department of Health, what became very clear um, as they were grappling with the pandemic was from the antibody testing perspective, they wanted to find a single partner and yeah. have one uh, organization manage that incredibly complicated supply chain. Yeah. Um, and that's what we'd created. Now, we didn't know that that was going to be a, a problem that they would have or that we would be able to solve. But, you know, fortunately, it turned out that um, what they needed was a very close proxy to what we were able to, 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 to provide them. And that's exactly what we did. So we ended up managing um, millions of uh, antibody um, tests and um, yeah, that was an important source of data to understand the, the seroprevalence levels across the across the country. And <laughs> we were actually talking about this internally the other day. It was this totally um, amazing, bizarre uh, experience, because if you set up this sort of B2B Thriver Solutions um, uh, uh, division of the business in 20 years time you might be like one day you know we might be able to power big department of health programs where they're doing <laughs> mass surveillance programs yeah. it's like basically our first yeah i mean it was actually because we've done it from 2018 but you know in terms of scale it was just this yeah um, total behemoth of a, of a thing um and i have to say i was just immensely proud of the team because they you know, it's a given now, right? We, 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 with hindsight, everyone just expected this to happen, but everyone had to bend double to yeah. stand the program up and maintain it. And it was because it was, it was, you know, it was kind of, we, again, we forget, but it was a wartime footing. You oh, just man. get it done. 
Yeah, have some crazy. Um, I've never seen anything and like it. Was it. People's time to sort of stand up and and be counted or not, and the team were amazing. They were really, you know, to the to the person put the uh, put the effort in to make sure that it worked. Um, so yeah, the system got the, the kind of the the pressure test to end all pressure tests. Yeah. Um, and here we are, 2023. Right. Weird so my, memory. My producer is waving at me, so we're going to go for a commercial break, and then we'll be back after a couple of minutes. Um, with Hamish Grierson, CEO and co-founder, not sole founder, of Thriver. And um, I want to get onto some of the stuff to more dig into what you're doing around Thriver Solutions and this biodata, because I know that you've got a lot of thoughts about how that can be used for prevention, which is clearly where, you know, things have to stop. Well, they are already moving, but, but clearly that's one of the ways we can alleviate pressure on any healthcare system, but particularly the NHS. So we'll be back in two minutes on this week's Health Tech Hour. The station that makes you feel good. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with rosy, common or garden, ant and deck, fish and chips, mum and dad. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, and my guest this week, Hamish Grierson, CEO and co-founder of Thriver. So before the break, you were going through how really you, you'd you already built this incredible, I guess, I don't know, diagnostic, logistic, clinical diagnostics, logistics platform and, and all of the back end infrastructure behind it when the, when, when, when COVID started. And so how post-COVID has have you been using that as part of, I, I think you call it now Thriver Solutions? And what is it that's 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 moving on that front because I know you've got lots of exciting things in that in that front uh, and how does it kind of tie into the prevention agenda? Yeah, so Thriver Solutions um, coexists with uh, Thriver.co, which is the direct consumer uh, arm of the business that we were talking about before. And Thriver Solutions, in ambition, is about creating a platform that can power third parties that can support any kind of test at um, a place at a time that's convenient for the individual and delivered with all of the appropriate quality, uh, security and safety that anyone would care about. And in, in effect, in the same way that um, Stripe made payments uh, available to a, you know, a raft of third party providers and abstracted away all of the complexity, but actually with a huge amount of um, integrity required in, uh, in, in the product that they created because they were dealing with money um, we want to create a effectively that black box for uh, for diagnostics so that we can power third-party use cases and to your point on prevention I think it is a given now that if we're going to turn the tide on the rising cost of healthcare and to do the thing we talk a lot about internally which is improving health span and the proportion of life that you live with good health hence the name Thriver <laughs> you have to start um that's legitimate by the way I didn't just make Good it up yeah. um, you have to start getting um appropriate you know we can talk about over testing in a minute but yeah. appropriate diagnostics into people's hands at the right time and that is going to be delivered through a raft of um, providers and channels um and the one thing that i'm uh, as confident on as i've ever been is there is going to be no uh, panacea here. You know, the reality is that some people will want to test at home and be comfortable doing that. 
um, as the technology around at home testing gets better, that population will expand. But as we step towards that being a reality, omnichannel solutions, I think, will be the way to go. And that means you will have, in addition to the people testing at home, a group of people who may want to have a nurse come to them. Uh, yeah. You may have people who want to drop into a physical location for an assisted collection of some time uh, of some kind. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, that was it um, won't be diagnostics alone, but there's that a was big all, role for it to play. That kind of blended approach was really important for our NHS partners when, as well when we started the discussions with them, which was, you know, they their perception was that all PocDoc was wanting to do was to allow people to test themselves at home, which is obviously, I think that there's a cohort of people that will want to do that and can do that and that will be successful. But actually, we've always been um, interested in how providing greater access, flexibility, convenience in any location massively increases the number of people that can get tested, right? So like whether it's a mosque or a community center, how can you deliver diagnostics in those locations to the same level and quality convenience, efficiency, and value both to the system and to the patient as going to the GP, yep. right? Like how, how you, you, exactly. you, we can't, you can't, if anyone says this, then, 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 and we, we, we love the NHS and we're huge supporters and we've got lots of GP advisors and all that good stuff, which I know you do too. So that like, to your point earlier, this is not about banging on the NHS at all, but the idea, if, if you agree with the thesis that the number of people having tests for various things needs to increase, then the solution to that cannot be to get more people into GP surgeries. It just can't be. No. And there's a, a fascinating body of work that I was alerted to fairly recently that um, the Tony Blair Institute, I believe, is at least partially responsible for driving, which is looking not just at diagnostics, but um, some of the preventative vaccines. So some of the sort of okay. cardiovascular vaccines, uh, for example, and how do you package up in a non-GP surgery delivered program a come and you know get the shot get tested understand what you need in a you know fairly short space of time and critically in a way that is convenient and cost effective and that i think is the kind of innovation that is going to have to happen as you say if we are using the gp delivery um mechanisms they become rate limiting very quickly um so yeah we've got to find got to find ways around um... it what were the vaccines for? What, what cardiovascular conditions were the vaccines for? That's super interesting. Yeah, I mean, so I, um, I, I confess that this was literally last week that I was alerted yes, to yeah, it. Yeah. But um, the uh, the types of vaccines that they're talking about last for something like 12 months from what the research has indicated. And it is a massive, we're talking, you know, tens of percentage point improvement on your uh, CBD risk. Wow. And likelihood, therefore, within a 12 month stretch of getting a, um, a heart attack or stroke hit you. Wow. So is it, is, so it, is it like a, is it, is it, it sounds like it's a non, it's kind of being, is it kind of, it's not really a vaccine, but they're calling it a vaccine because they yeah. don't know what to call it, sort of thing. Correct. Yeah. I, I, this is the thing, right? Like, what, 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 what is a vaccine? The same what does that mean, right? It stops you getting correct. something. That's what I think it a vaccine is. And I think that's probably why they're calling it a vaccine, right? Because technically, it, if you know if covid was a a health problem and a heart attack is a health problem technically the thing that you get put in the side of your arm that stops you getting that thing for a period of time is a is a vaccine but i'm yeah. no no uh, clinical pathologist um well, it's, it's and, interesting, uh, like, not a vaccine expert no because like when when you know obviously you remember when when the vaccine was first mooted for covid it was like it'll stop people getting it and then it was like, no, it won't stop people getting it, but it will just make it a lot less severe, which is, you know, all well and good. That that makes sense. So, like, that doesn't stop you getting it. So why wouldn't something that massively reduces your risk of having a heart attack not be classified as a, a vaccine? For the for the, for the purposes of the regulator, they're both classified as a drug. So I don't think it really matters yeah. from a regulatory perspective. It's more about how it's sold to the public, I guess. Um, and how it's delivered, right? And I think the... Right. Yeah, how it's delivered. Right, exactly. Is it delivered through and the that, NHS as a vaccine, which is one route, or is it delivered slightly differently? Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, and look, I think if um, if you sort of if you'd indulge me to sort of jump in the time machine uh, and zip forward, you know, a few more years, I think the fascinating thing that I know we probably um, share is a, a, a thing we get excited about is the 
the difference between and i'm talking about this because we're talking about drug development and discovery here um at least on the vaccine side the currently quite um hard line between the sort of life sciences of research world where they yeah. are um sort of butting up against increasingly um uh, challenging business models as they pursue the development of new drugs and what we consider the sort of proactive preventative healthcare agenda i believe will become a single industry right because if you think about um a couple of the key things that are determining the success or failure of drug development patient recruitment um good regular ac uh, accessible accurate data the ability to re-engage people yes. attrition rates off trials convenience actually you could parlay those almost directly into some of the challenges with the wellness agenda why don't people understand what's going on inside their bodies and take action that's appropriate is it accessible are they engaged do they want to come back do they believe that the data is accurate you know, yeah. wearables are often in the kitchen drawer because that last one um you know if it isn't really buttoned down starts to get people to wonder whether there's a real value exchange happening yeah. so wouldn't it be amazing if life sciences came out of that place of being perceived as you know in the corner um uh, or you know almost deliberately quite black hat and, and cloaked to yeah. no 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 not at all it's really straightforward we've got to find this group of people so that we can advance this type of medication and hey medication may start to mean something other than just drug in the fullness of mm -hmm. time it might be nutrition intervention or exercise intervention yeah, or, or a digital intervention. intervention like their digital, digital intervention now absolutely like um closely medicine and folks are developing yeah shout um, out to hakim yadi another health tech hour previous guest another health tech hour absolutely. alumni i was uh, on the email to hakim earlier today hello oh, hakim. Great. good if you're listening i hope um, you included his mbe in that his official title <laughs> i don't know what i don't know if i did um <laughs> yadi, mbe hello sir <laughs> Um, yes, I just get this uh, real sense of excitement that there's a platform um, and I think we've got the direct to consumer brand and we've got the B2B platform to be able to bring those two things together. You know, we're ultimately trying to work through that with some of the, um, the pharma uh, partners and CROs um, and innovative uh, research uh, folks out there. But wouldn't it be amazing, right? You'd end up with this, um, I think, brilliant uh combination of two otherwise fairly siloed places now clearly got to bring the customer with you you've got to be transparent as to what you are and aren't doing with their data um you know getting this wrong would be terrible and people i think would rightly be up in arms um but i think people have developed a sense of optimism and a sense of trust and i think the pandemic is partly responsible for um pushing that forward that you can use people's data responsibly and you can share the benefit with them. Um, and I think that's pretty exciting. I agree. So after the break, we're going to come back for the final part of the show. So we're going to do another commercial break now. We'll be back after two minutes with my guest this week, Hamish Grierson, CEO and co-founder of Thriver. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. A for horses, B for mutton, Seymour Cheeks, Dig for Victory, E Bargo. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle Magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at UKHealthRadio.com. T for two. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good.
Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, and my guest this week, Hamish Grierson, CEO and co-founder of Thriver. So before the break, we were talking about what, what the future could hold potentially from the kind of merging of life sciences, drug development, ongoing monitoring, diagnostics to try and make the whole thing more efficient, right? Which I think that you, your, your Thriver Solutions is pushing the, the boundaries there. Um, how do you see the next few years developing in the sort of diagnostic space um, in the UK or, or, or anywhere? I mean, because again, obviously the, nothing's static. There's new tests coming out and new things being tested. I saw an article last week about um, the future of, uh, there's a new blood-based test for cancer that they think is extremely, extremely exciting and things like that. So is it that, that you know, it, whatever tests are developed, Thrive is in a great position to sort of integrate them into the platform, or is there, are you more interested or less interested in other, in, in particular areas? Yeah, I think there's a, a really clear sort of six month answer and then a, a, a clear bucket of things that we want to do over the, the sort of two year horizon that um, link back to actually where I think the industry is going. And over the six months, it's very much about you know, what is the cutting innovation that's there now that we want to make available through the platform. So whether that's, you know, innovative ways to collect capillary samples from the body or other um, as someone described to me the other day, wet things that come out of a human Okay. Uh, we can collect other samples. Analyze yeah. Other samples um, out of the sample matrix. Um, you know, we've got a fairly steady drumbeat of putting those things on the platform. Over a two-year horizon, I think it gets really exciting because, uh, as you say, that field is far from static, and you've got, um, you know, tumor cell identification. Um, you have um, the need for diagnostics as companion diagnostics to titrate uh, new forms of drugs uh, that are becoming more mainstream and mm -hmm. um, you've got uh, polygenic risk scores you've got the combination and of course there's a role for ai to play in understanding the value of the combination but the combination of the data sources that we've already got and the new data sources that we're going to yeah. be um getting to you know epigenetics genetics um probably some form of uh, more regular readout whether that's from a continuous glucose monitor device or something that you may end up wearing on your wrist or you know yeah. somewhere in between um i think the combination of all those data sets is going to start to reveal some other really interesting quote-unquote diagnostic uh, insights so i think um you know for us short term pretty straightforward it's about just putting the current innovation into the product and making that available um on a scalable basis uh, to our partners. And when we talk about it internally, we talk about um, a, a path with partners where it starts ultimately with tools mm -hmm. and then it gets to kind of collective innovation where we're doing things with them to advance the science. Um, and actually some of that's really basic and some of it's really complicated. At yeah. the basic end, it's saying, hey, has this biomarker been validated for use in this way let's do yeah. that together let's do it quickly let's understand um that this either is or isn't um, going to be workable uh, and you can therefore use it on a, a population that's relevant and at the compli uh, complicated end it's by saying hey um you know what is it that you want to be able to use the data that you've got for and how might that interplay with the data that comes out of the diagnostic um and you know that's a obviously much more complicated question to grapple with and therefore things tend to move a bit more slowly yeah um, but yeah I think it's it's a very exciting space yeah for sure I think it's kind of interesting so we you know when when I go out and talk to people and people always say well not they don't always say but people are oh diagnostics very crowded I'm like well it kind of is and it's it isn't it depends how you look at it you've got sort of stream one which is anyone that's involved with using a laboratory to test for something in effect, and it's either their own laboratory or they're using a chain of laboratories or whatever they're ultimately doing, they're using laboratories. Then there's sort of, I like to think of bucket number two, which is people that have built boxes that you put stuff into and it spits out an answer. And those boxes are sometimes bigger, smaller in the middle, you know, like sometimes they're more in a, in a lab setting. Sometimes, you know, they might be a handheld thing, but it's basically a, a, a device that you're buying. And then the other piece is sort of how do you use smartphones to do it, right? And there's been a couple of companies like Testcard, Healthy.io, focused on urine, um, you know, and we we we're doing that with with blood and delivering pathways and 
and things like that. But I think it's kind of interesting because every person end up, ends up fitting into one of those sort of buckets. I guess the one that isn't in there is just sort of straight lateral flow where you're just reading it of the test. Um, yeah, yeah, true. I think there's maybe a fourth bucket, albeit it's much more nascent, Steve, which is data only. Yeah, and that's fair. I think there's a, there's a reason that it's coming last, which is you need all the others to be able um, to create yeah. a data only product. Um, but I actually weirdly I got pinged something by one of our investors uh, the other day that was um, a data only product that's looking to use a combinatorial approach to to finding um, kind of non invasive insights. But yeah, mm -hmm. look, I think that categorization is is correct. But I also don't I don't actually agree with the thesis that it's particularly crowded and i say that because I, I i don't either i just say that's what people say i i you know i agree i think it's it's not as crowded as people yeah. think uh, yeah and it's i think the the reason that you're right about that is <clears throat> on the one hand you have massive laboratory providers the centralized big labs who run the big box kit uh, that you describe and yet there are some small versions of those players but they're all you know pretty established um and you have the NHS versions and obviously there's the um the JV that uh the doctor's lab created which is somewhere in between um a yeah. private um uh, uh situation and I think beneath that either at the you know the Olo style um or NTA style boxes that are either bigger or smaller all the way down to the actual um little devices that might be doing something really narrow there aren't that many players in that space and certainly none that have um, gone to sort of mainstream distribution. No. And then using stuff on the smartphone, there's, a, there's only a handful of players. Yeah. Have, you know, you, you, you healthy um, test card. I don't think there's you know many more. Um, and forgive me if I've not named. No, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's kind of like a, a healthy.io in the US called Scanwell, but they've mostly just focused on UTI. But it's the same thesis. Yes, no, maybe from UTI. Yeah, and look, I think the the, the reason that, um, that I, this is not one of the things that causes me to lose sleep at night is <laughs> actually it's really difficult to get it right, yeah. and it takes time and perseverance, and um, perseverance usually means cash behind you being um let's be honest it. yeah let's be honest about it and that narrows the pack and there have been players that have come and gone um aplenty in this space yeah. already over the course of the last 10 years and i think that actually you're more likely to see a consolidation over the course yeah. of the next five years uh especially with the funding markets being where they are and especially in the UK, where everyone knows that you know entry uh, to the NHS is the big buyer isn't always that straightforward. Um, and look, I think that's it's a it's a, a unique dynamic. For sure. So let's just touch on that final piece. We've got a few minutes left in the show, and I always like to ask entrepreneurs, particularly, um, what would your advice be to anyone or other entrepreneurs, whether they're a little bit earlier than you or just in general? You know, so what what would your advice be? generally at this point in time to anyone that's either thinking of starting a business or has a business or what's got you through those dark times? Like, how have you got through those tough times? So I think we're, um, we are uh, sitting with a, a completely new set of norms relative to 18 months ago within uh, the fundraising stroke innovation landscape. Yeah. And I think it is incredibly important that people don't miss what this opportunity represents. And in one sense, it will be harder for people to raise money and get businesses going because there's less uh, available access to, uh, to VC cash in particular. However, if you look at some of the best businesses that have ever been built, they've often either been started or materially scaled in a downturn. Yeah. And Part of the reason is that it drums phenomenal discipline into the founding teams in particular and the senior managers that they recruit. And I think that's I think it's important to just acknowledge that it's different now and that it's yeah. likely to stay this way for a period of time. Um, 
and to to lean into that it's okay that it's different and you know ruining the fact that there's not a huge well, you can't change it you can't, around. you can't do anything about it like you know this is what it is no no exactly and um you know challenges abound as a consequence but ultimately i think that um grappling with those dynamics and having a you know a full tilt this is what i'm faced with and this is my plan therefore uh, i think is a is a really important and powerful thing to do yeah i would agree i think that yeah i would agree with that that's very i think that's very profound i think it's it's not about getting disheartened but it's gonna be harder to get what you're doing off the ground or to raise money or to continue but that's not necessarily a terrible thing you know it's not in and of itself a bad thing you just have to work a lot harder and be prepared to go through some tougher times yeah and look i um i'm sure there'll be people listening to this who are like yeah but you you know you had the great fortune to raise money during a boom market how dare you say this um, and they would be entirely justified in, in, in leveling that accusation i would say that you know the truisms of the innovation agenda are just more true now which means <clears throat> you know product market fit or listening to your customer or you know really understanding the the problem that you can prove that you're solving you've just got to be more sure of that now yeah. than you were before and if you become sure and you can evidence that there's always going to be a, a way to scale um mm-hmm. but you're just going to have to be be sure because there'll be less cash and cash is usually just forgiveness for not having the proof um so yeah <laughs> i've not uh, heard that before that's a great one i've not heard that one before that's excellent there you, there you go. go. I'm All sure right. I'm I'm sure I'm I'm probably quoting someone and not crediting them with a the quote, but um okay. I can't remember who I heard it from. Maybe it's okay. original. I have no idea. Um all right, great. Well look, on that note, we're gonna wrap up the show. So thank you very much for coming on. It was great to have you. Um and thank you very much to everyone for listening. So yeah, that was Health Deck Hour with Hamish Grierson, CEO of Thriver co-founder. Where do people go if they want to learn more about Thriver? Uh, Thriver.co is our B2C site and Thriversolutions.com is uh, where you'll find our solutions for partners. Great. Thank you very much for everybody and we'll be back again next week. Thanks, Steve. Hi, this is Steve Roost and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio.